Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along, it's Rob Riles welcoming you to another program. Now today's edition is episode 9 from the phenomenal book, The First 100 Days Lessons in Leadership from the Football Bosses by Phil Denton and Mickey Mellon. And chapter 9 is days 66 to 79, according to Mickey and Phil, in the first 100 days in your new position as leader, as manager of a football club. And if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, have a listen. Obviously, there are some standalone messages and principles in this chapter but it obviously fits together like a jigsaw so that it can be a complete set analyzing the whole book so here we go chapter 9 days 66 to 79 managing the manager now this particular chapter is very much about self-care it's about managing yourself because the stresses and strains of this particular industry and niche are well documented and if you do not look after yourself which goes for every every walk of life really there will soon be a downturn in fortune whether that's physical health mental health relationship breakdown or something of that nature so it's all about managing the manager as they put it so What's the first thing they talk about? Well, the first thing they talk about is being yourself. And I couldn't agree more. There is nothing so attritional and nothing so uncomfortable, so difficult and painful and unnatural as trying to be something that you are not. Now, let's get this clear. This is not about striving to be better. It's not about not trying to improve yourself what it is about is making sure that you act on your strengths you use your strengths you recognize your own vulnerabilities and you work within a team that you've created to deal with that situation i've just been reading a book and I'm still reading it currently about Bob Paisley and in all honesty it would be difficult to get two different human creatures than Bill Shankly and Bob Paisley they were almost diametrically opposite in their personality characteristics yet they both succeeded massively now one of the things in the book is that in the Bob Paisley book, is that Bob was completely aware of his own frailties and of his own characteristics 
and what he wasn't good at. And it was so evident to him that he actually thought he couldn't do the job. But Liverpool, in their wisdom, put people and structures in place to support Bob so that Bob could do what Bob was great at. And the things that he didn't like, he wasn't good at, and he admitted he wasn't good at, other people did. And uh, Peter Robinson, the uh, chief executive, as I believe he was, and Tom Saunders did things for Bob that he didn't feel comfortable doing. And it worked, obviously. So you have to know yourself. Be true to yourself above all else. They also pay homage to the fact that people are honed by their struggles. And there's a little bit in the chapter, in the book, in, particularly in this chapter, about how the city of Glasgow has produced so many really good managers. And they go into a little bit of detail about how the environment and the struggles of those difficult environments contribute towards character growth and what what it requires to be a successful manager. But the overriding point here is know yourself, be yourself. Do not try to be Jose Mourinho. Do not try to be Bob Paisley, Bill Shankly, Sir Alex. You have to be yourself and work within that and have people around you that compliment you. Managing the manager then moves on to something we'll just call balance. They emphasize the absolute necessity of having a balanced life. There's many, many industries and football's one of them where it's so easy to sacrifice so much. And you come to the realization, whether you are successful or you achieve what you want or you get what you want, the dream job, the FA Cup, the the championship, whatever it is, and you look back and yes, you might have the glittering time in front of the cameras and the uh, office with the name manager on the door and all the adulation that goes with it. But is that worth it if you have sacrificed your physical health, your mental health, your family and your relationships? It's probably one of the biggest questions you need to ask yourself. And it's something that certainly affected me. I can hold my hand up and say, this is something that I uh, I often think about. Now, what they say is look, it's not about giving up and it's not about one or the other. You have to make that choice, but make sure that you have downtime. You know, they, they cite Sean Deitch and uh, others who say, look, how valuable and precious family time is. We have in the 21st century this, this phenomenon that's changed our lives called a mobile phone. You know, these things need to be turned off, put on silent, put away because attention needs to be where attention needs to be. Do not fall into the trap. I don't say this very often. I don't use that kind of terminology, telling people what to do, but I do strongly believe that mobile phones have 
are destructive forces in terms of relationships. I try very hard, and I think you should too, and it's it's actually documented in this chapter that, you know, when you're at home, when you're with your family, when you're having meals, when you're with your children, your wife, your husband, your partner, whoever that is, you know, have time to look them in the eye, make contact and spend time with them, not distracted in the same room at the same table with a mobile phone going off, taking all your attention away. This will not be easy, let me tell you, but it's something that you need to do. They talk about this, the, the guy who's, who's, you know, they've talked about in another, a number of chapters, Drew Povey, who has a BEST model, B-E-S-T, breathe, eat, sleep, and train. Sounds really simplistic. Who on earth is going to come up with that? We all need to breathe, yes. We all need to eat, yes. We all need to sleep, yes. And obviously, we need to train or go to work. If you just think it's simplistic, you're probably missing the point. This resonates and, and aligns very much with uh, Brian Johnson's work. There's breathing and there's breathing. If you breathe, breathe in a controlled way, diaphragmatically, and you learn to control your breathing, it has an enormous, enormous effect on your physiology and your life. If you are a reactive personality and you just allow, you are not aware of your breathing, it will be all upper chest, it will be reactive, and you will probably be breathing many more times per minute, per hour, per day, in terms of inspiration and expiration, than if you control your breathing. Using diaphragmatic, when you breathe, you know, three to four to five times less than if you just un unaware of your breathing, you need to learn to control your breathing. It's a great way to deal with stress and life. You know, you can teach yourself to take long, slow breaths and, and that can become an unconscious part of your life. And it's massive, absolutely massive. Number two, eat. I don't think I need to go into why we should eat well, but it's so easy to just forget to eat and then get to the state where you're absolutely ravenous and you eat whatever's in, whatever is in front of you. It's so easy, it happens to me, it happens to you probably. It's about planning, it's about having an availability and it's about discipline. Eat well. Eat the correct things, whatever suits you and whatever you know and whatever you're guided to. I'm not, I'm not here as a nutritionist. Obviously, I know a little bit about nutrition, but I'm not here. This is not a nutritional seminar. It's about eating well on a consistent basis. Sleep. I honestly don't think there's anything more important than sleep. Try to do without sleep. Reduce your sleep and you become a shell. Tiredness makes cowards of everybody. You try and be brave and strong and at it and on the mark when you're tired. It does 
not work. Get your sleep. Protect your sleep. Have a sanctuary. Make your bedroom a sanctuary. Protect it. And it's not about having an alarm clock to get you up. It's probably having an alarm clock to get you into bed so that you get your eight to nine hours, whatever it is. It's really difficult in this day and age to do that with the demands of work and games and all the things that go on. But it's a necessity. And train. Look, we all know, you know, how important the right training is, the, the right focus and doing the right things. I've just been listening to uh, a little bit about Jose Mourinho, about how structured his training was and how every second counted, the same as John Wooden and the same as Vince Lombardi. You know, they didn't waste a second of their training time with their players and athletes and they made every second count. So it's the detail, it's not just the big picture. Phil and Mickey remind us that we have to let go of being the general manager of the universe. There's far too many things going on for us to control all of them. That's what delegation is all about. We have to have the right people around us, people we trust. We have to give them roles, responsibilities and stick to them and trust them. It's not about you burning yourself out and controlling everything. They also touch on something which I firmly believe in. Premeditatio malorum, as the Stoics say, as Ryan Holiday says. It's a pre-mortem philosophy. Now, positive thinking and the principle of positive thinking will tell you to think about only think about good things, only think about positive things, good outcomes, don't dwell on negatives and what can go wrong. Premeditatio malorum will tell you to consider a disaster. Consider a bad outcome. Consider what can go wrong before it happens and put in place A, the plans to make sure it doesn't and B, a strategy to deal with it if it does. You will be much better prepared. You will be responsive, not reactive, and you will be prepared. It's a little bit like going on a journey to the North Pole and saying, right, what do we do if this happens? If we run out of food, how are we going to get some more in? It's too late to try and sort it out once you're in the mire. Joining the AA, joining the RAC, if you're listening in the UK for your car breakdown, I'm sure you get the picture. It's well worth doing. They talk about hippo time and sumo. Because if something goes wrong, hippo time is allowing yourself a limited period of time to wallow in the mud. Look. We all have emotions, we're human beings, this is life, it's what makes it beautiful, it's what it, it is what makes it worth living. But we all have times where we just cannot suddenly snap out of something. So give yourself, as they say, a limited hippo time, wallow in the mud and then sumo, shut up and move on. There are times when we have to leave things behind and move on. There's a little quote in there as well that's, uh, I've not heard it before, and it's apparently from Napoleon who said that leaders are 
What's the words? Dealers in hope. Leaders are dealers in hope. So when the chips are down, when it looks black and it is time to move on, can you be that leader, that dealer in hope and looking towards that chink of light? Moving on towards the end of this chapter, which is obviously managing the manager, you will need, as they say, strong support networks in place. Your family, your partner, your husband, your wife, whoever it is, your friends, your colleagues, your assistants, your medical staff, whoever they are, it is a strong support network that you need. You need a team effort. And it's often these people who can be the thermometers on what's going on. They can give you the insight. They can tell you home truths. They can give you strong and good advice if you're of the mindset and prepared to listen. Nobody says you have to act accordingly, but that's what trusted advisors and mentors and networks, support networks are all about. And it's worth remembering, as Phil and Mickey say in this chapter, that this first 100 days is like a sprint. And yes, it is hard work. Yes, it's unrelenting for a while. And it's all about getting up speed, getting up ahead of steam. And once you get to that level, it will become more manageable. It's a little bit like getting an aircraft off the ground all the or a rocket into orbit, apparently all the energy or the, ma the majority of the energy is used to break the initial inertia, get the plane to a cruising altitude, and then it's much easier. That's a little bit like what it's like in these first 100 days. You're pedaling like crazy to get up ahead of steam, get to the right speed, so that the cruising altitude can be reached and then it's a question of settling down a little bit and tweaking here and tweaking there and looking at other other issues. So there we go. That's the uh, managing the manager, day 66 to 79, very much about self-care, very much about strategies to make sure that uh, you don't burn out and having the right value structure in so that you don't get to the end of end of your life even and realize that you've climbed the wrong tree. Balance, relationships, self-care and longevity. Chapter nine. Catch you later. Bye-bye. The Leader Manager Coach podcast is available via the Leader Manager Coach app. Download it now to access the rich resource of unique, insightful and educational material to help you on your own journey in football, sport and life. Leader, Manager, Coach. For the game. For life. Available now on Google Play and Apple App Store.